0: The um, dismiss the kiddos that uh, might be going off to uh, kids church at this time, four years old through fourth grade. And um, hey, if you were here last week, maybe you know that we started a, um, a sermon series that I'm entitling, The Truth About Life. The truth about life. Here's what we know about life. Life is uh, kind of a roller coaster, right? Ups and downs in life. And uh, maybe when you're uh, younger, you have uh, financial uh, difficulties and and, uh, issues, uh, but your health is really good, right? Uh, But maybe later on in life, there's kind of a shift where uh, maybe there's a little bit of money in the bank, but your body's kind of giving out on you. And all of those kinds of things along the way in the journey of life are uh, they're up and down and in and out. And uh, Life can be very challenging. And so we're talking about the truth about life. We said last week, one of the things that can kind of set us back in life is if we have bad habits, bad habits, right? And we talked about that. How do we get them? Why do we have them? How do we deal with those? We talked about that uh, last week. And, um, and this morning, we're going to talk about depression, depression and uh, we can uh, become depressed. And uh, right now what I want to do is kind of link together a little bit um, this idea of having a bad habit, and also uh, one of the things that kind of contributes to uh, uh, depression in a thing that's called the addictive cycle, the addictive cycle. And um, maybe you're familiar with this, and maybe you know more about this than I do, and uh, you can teach me more about it. But uh, here's kind of the way this thing works. Uh, it starts off with enticement, enticement, okay? And uh, you're just kind of doing life, and everything, seems to be just fine and uh, maybe it gets a little bit boring and uh, you're not really thinking a lot about it. Maybe you're uh, uh, trying to be disciplined, uh, have, a, have a diet, maybe you're trying to stop uh, drinking or maybe uh, you wrestle with um, uh, some uh, sexual uh, temptations or something like that and you're really not thinking about it, but then something happens that entices you. Uh, maybe uh, you're really doing well on your diet and uh, all of a sudden uh, you walk by a bakery or something like that or you walk by a, uh, the, uh, the candy store and you all of a sudden it's like you weren't even thinking about it all of a sudden there's this thing it entices you it's like oh, oh yeah you know uh, maybe uh, you just look up and you see a billboard and you, you know there's the uh, the beautiful woman that's on there it's like Oop, dope, you know and you kind of take a double take or and all of a sudden uh, you're enticed you're enticed and and the wheels begin to turn a little bit because you're enticed. And then that moves into after you're enticed, this thing that's called ritual ritual. You have your rituals. You have your rituals. And, and this is where you begin to entertain the idea that you're going to move into this thing that you're battling with, but you're trying to have this game that you're playing in your mind. Where, well, I, I'm not going to fall to this temptation, uh, uh, but I'm going to flirt with it a little bit. And so uh, maybe that's like, uh, well, I know I shouldn't eat that cake that's in the refrigerator, uh, but uh, I also know that there's some, uh, there's some broccoli in there. And so you just kind of go to... To the refrigerator and, and open the door and just kind of see if there's anything there that's healthy, and there's these rituals that you enter into. Maybe uh, you, you wrestle with the internet, and so you just kind of convince yourself, "Well, no, I'm just going to just kind of look some stuff up on the internet here. I'm not going to fall into temptation. I'm just going to, and so we go into these rituals that we have, um, and then ultimately uh, we, uh, we fail. Uh, we do the thing that we don't really want to do. I'm going to turn this thing off down here, sorry. You guys can't hear it. I can hear it. And, and that's all I'm thinking about. A, so, um, and, uh, and so there's these, uh, these, um, these rituals, and, uh, and, then, and then we act out. We do the thing that we've been uh, arguing with God about and wrestling with God about and saying, you want to give this up, and, and now I feel. And so what happens is, is, so first you're enticed, then you enter into your rituals, then you act out, and then after you act out, oh, I did it again. I and there's this shame that just kind of comes over you because uh, you weren't strong enough and God has failed you and you knew better and you did it anyway and, and all these kind of things. And then when you're feeling all of this shame and guilt, you are just absolutely poised to be enticed because you know that that thing that you're going to go to will give you that shot of dopamine. Right, and that's ultimately what you're after, and so that's called the addictive cycle. And maybe you guys all know that, and but you get trapped in there, you get trapped in that thing, and there's the shame and all that. To say this is that depression, for many reasons, that's one of them. Depression is just real. The truth about life is is that depression is real, and we can have temporary bouts with 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 a depression, or we can have a clinical bouts. With depression, Uh, there's uh, chemical and physiological uh, reasons and there's imbalance that we can have inside of us and, and that can be a reason for depression and all of these things happen. Here's what we know. Depression knows no boundaries and can affect everyone except the rich and famous. Because if you were rich and you were famous, what would you ever have to be depressed about, right? We talk about that. We joke about that a little bit. It's, you know, the the rich, famous people would never commit suicide, right? Because they've but no, it's true. You know who who, who wouldn't ever, you know who really probably the only person would ever never really be depressed would be a king, right? A king would never be depressed because a a king could be sitting on the throne and just be thinking to himself, warm chocolate chip cookies and cold milk. And guess what would happen just a few minutes later? People just come rushing to him, warm, warm chocolate chip cookies and, and cold milk, right? Um, no, the, we know that uh, money and, and resource that, and the power, those things would never keep you uh, from being depressed. We all know. We're at church, right? Only God can keep you from being depressed, right? And so if you have the right relationship with God, you will never be depressed, right? I mean, because we know that, you know, it's church, and so the Bible and Jesus, those are always the answers, right? And so uh, Christian people would never be depressed, right? I mean, you are looking at me like, are you going somewhere with this or something? Um, uh, King David. Um, what God said about King David is that this David guy as a man after my own heart. King David wanted nothing more than to be close and connected to God. And he was the king. He had all of the authority and all of the resource. And he certainly would be a guy that would never get depressed, right? Well, King David is the guy that writes the book of Psalms. The Psalms. And so then as we read through the book of Psalms, we get dialed into David's heart. And what we discover is that even a man that was after God's own heart with all of the money and the power can be a guy who gets depressed. Listen to what David himself wrote in the book of Psalm, chapter 69, verses 1-4. through 4. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. You ever been on a creek walk or you go off into the into the mud and, and you just feel like if you just stand right there it's going gonna, it's gonna to suck you down in and you're going to sink where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for your help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber The hairs on my head. Well, it's a good thing that David only wrote that little piece in all of the Bible about depression. It's the only time he ever wrestled with depression. Except for the fact that if you go forward 19 chapters, you would think he would have dealt with it and he'd be done with it by now. But you go forward 19 chapters, David was a guy that understood and can relate to things that we experience in our life. Listen to what he said 19 chapters later in chapter 88 when he says, For my soul is full of trouble. My life draws near the grave. He says, I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. Depression is real. It happens to everyone at some point. And so we, this morning, want to better understand depression. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, uh, we just ask that you will teach us, that you will draw near to us, that uh, we will be better for having been here. Uh, Father, thank you for your church, your church family, and this opportunity to learn. We pray all of this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Write these things down. you got a long list there in your bulletin. I hope you got a good sharp pen or pencil. Because listen to this. Identifying signs of depression. Are you depressed? Maybe you feel like you already know if you are or not. But here are some signs that might tell you you are in fact suffering with some depression right now. Insomnia. Write that down. Insomnia. That's a lack of sleep, right? And you're wrestling around. You can never shut it off. And you roll around all night long and you just can't sleep. That could be a sign that you are depressed or apathy. Apathy, write that down. Apathy is also a sign that you might be wrestling with some depression. Uh it's hard uh, to care, to get motivated, uh, to want to do anything. You're just apathetic. Best thing you can do, lay in bed, binge watch Netflix for the next week, right? You just feel that way, you're just apathetic. Apathy. All right, write this one down. Looking for self-pity. Woe is me and my problems are overtaking me, and all I want to do is tell anybody I encounter about my problems. You might be wrestling with depression right now. Maybe you don't want to deal with it, but you should deal with it. Write this down. You feel like you are in a hopeless state. Why try? No one would even care if I wasn't here, and I even cry out, God, why did you even make me? If you feel that way, those are indicators or identifiers or signs that you might be wrestling with depression. Some of you might be able to relate to some of that right now. And so uh, if we do get depressed, why do we get depressed? What are some causes of depression? Here they are. There are physical causes. Physical, your body can work against you from time to time. Some of them are genetic, some of them are biological, some of them are chemical, and some of them we bring upon ourselves. Physically we can bring those things upon ourselves. There's poor eating habits, there is uh, a bad nutrition, there is bad sleeping habits. I tell you, when I was uh, um, when I, when my son was in junior high, uh, we used to play a lot of Xbox Live and, uh, I probably could have beat all of you at, at Halo 3 back in the day. And some of you guys don't know what that is. And it was just a lot of fun back in the day. It's a video game and, uh, and you talk to people all over the place. And, but there were times that we'd stay up way too late and then I had to be at a meeting in the morning, right? And, uh, and so we do things to ourselves where we can sabotage our and and work against ourselves in what we're doing. And so uh, there can be uh, not taking care of yourself, not getting any exercise. These are physical things that can cause depression. Some of it's chemical imbalance, and you need to be on some good medication. That's just true. All right, what about this? Your background can also be a cause of depression, your background. If you have abuse in your background, you had an unstable home, uh, you were never properly... uh, nurtured in life and and you're not sure where you fit in or how you fit in and without getting some help with that kind of a thing these things can work against you and they can cause depression here's another one, write this down learned helplessness learned helplessness there was a tragedy that took place in your life you received a lot of attention because that tragedy happened to you therefore tragedy equals attention, and so you set out to keep experiencing tragic things. You literally can sabotage yourself into staying in a hopeless state of depression and it's called learned helplessness. You can also have chosen circumstances that are causes of depression. Allowed negative thinking. Um, Some of you know exactly what that is. One of the sources of depressions, uh, it's chosen circumstances. Some of you are in a very deep state of depression because you have chosen to be Bears fans. That's what chosen depression is. That's what chosen depression. But here's the here's the reality. Um and so uh, you, you know, I don't know. I I like watching Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs play. And uh, and if you like watching him play, and uh, and when when the Chiefs lose, I'm kind of like, and you know, I'm an Iowa State fan. And uh, when the, when Iowa State loses, you know, it's kind of it wrecks my Saturday when they lose. And then uh, comes Sunday. Then the, if the Chiefs lose, it kind of uh, wrecks my Sunday. And and so you can put uh, your hope in your Trust into something chosen that you choose, and it's chosen circumstances uh, that can implode on you. Um, there's this little thing happening. Maybe you saw a commercial on TV for it on November eighth uh there's there's an election that's taking place on November 8th and uh if you're a kind of a political junkie uh and you kind of lean your life into that stuff well on you know by midnight on uh, the 8th or something like that uh you're either going to feel like a winner or you're going to feel like a loser right and so we kind of lean our life into things that we think are going to make our life better or worse and we uh, sometimes a friend you think a friend is going to prop you up and they're going to help you and then they let you down. And sometimes you think your a job is going to help you or, or something like that. And so you choose these things and they let you down. And then there's this other thing. Write this one down. Life stress. There's periods in our life that are more transitional than others, and so maybe it's a new job, or you have had to make a a move, or you've lost a loved one. Any major paradigm shift can make you feel unstable or out of control, which can lead to depression. And these things are just life, life stresses. Here's another one, anger and guilt, anger and guilt. Anger and guilt, sometimes those things can live right out there on the front page, and everybody knows you're angry, or everybody knows that you feel guilty about something, they live right out, but other times those things live kind of behind the scenes, and and I heard it described as kind of being a rock in your shoe. You just kind of learn to live with the pain of always having this anger or this guilt in your life. And these things can cause depression. And so there's identifying factors as to whether or not you're going through depression. And then there's causes, things that are inside of us and outside of us that can put us in a place where uh, we are feeling very depressed. And, and fortunately for us, we can turn to Scripture and we can learn how to uh, better cope with or deal with or what God wants us to do if we find ourselves in a place of depression. And so we're going to jump into uh, the book of First Kings. <clears throat> and uh, if you ever read about the life of Elijah, uh, just an incredible prophet, uh, did a lot of amazing things by, by uh, the hand of God. And, and he was uh, chosen by God to be a leader of the nation of Israel. And, and he had a lot going for himself and, and uh, as, as, because uh, God was there kind of uh, steering the ship for him in a lot of ways. And, and uh, one of the things that he was able to do is a king named Ahab. And uh, he was uh, uh, king of, uh, of Israel, and uh, and Ahab kind of hung out with this uh, uh, this woman, and you know the the name itself is just kind of synonymous with the bad woman. You ever heard of the name Jezebel? You know, the evil old Jezebel. And um, and uh, Jezebel, uh, she had put her sort of life dependency into a, a, a false religion, as called Baalism, and uh, and she had these four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal people that uh, she probably handpicked because they were telling her what. As she wanted to know. And um, there's this great story in, in the book of First Kings where um, God tells Elijah, we're going to have a little bit of showdown here uh, between all of the prophets of Baal and me. I'm God. And so God tells you've heard the story before. God tells Elijah, go down there and make two altars, right? Set up two altars and then bring all the 450 prophets of Baal and uh, have them pray to their God, Baal. And uh, and then uh, Elijah, later on, you're going to pray to me and then we'll just have a showdown there and we'll the the real God please light the altar on fire. And so you maybe you remember the story the prophets come there, they set up the thing and they pray and they pray and they pray and then Elijah's taunting them and, and they pray and they pray and they begin to cut themselves and bleed all over the thing and, and they pray and pray. Never starts on fire. Then Elijah says, Alright, it's my turn. And maybe you remember he says uh, uh God uh, show them, reveal to all of them that you are the one true God of, of um, Abraham and Isaac, and you know you're the one really, and then the fire comes down and it starts on fire and it burns up that altar. It burns up the rocks, the other altar. Even he told him, before, you, before I pray, douse the thing with, with water and the fire, gets all, the, the fire laps up all of the water. And, and so he's the one true God. And so um, huge, huge victory for God, right? And Elijah should be able to just like, see, I told you my God was the real God. Well, uh, do you remember what takes place next? And then Ahab the king, he goes back and sees Jezebel. And Jezebel wasn't there, present, when this whole thing was going down, and all of her 400 prophets, uh, they, were, they were killed, and they were put to death by the sword, and, and so they're all wiped out. Jezebel was evil. Oh, man, she was just a wicked, dirty, mean, evil, nasty woman. Ooh, man, and uh, evil, oh, Jezebel. Ahab goes back to Jezebel and says, um, By the way, this thing went down today, and uh, all of your prophets are dead. And Jezebel says, if by the time the sun sets tonight, Elijah's not dead just like all those prophets are. You know, take my life, right? If you're Elijah, wouldn't you think, I got this. God's got my back. No big deal, right? Who's this threat? Elijah, Jezebel was so wicked, it shook Elijah at his core. And he was scared to death and he ran for his life. We'll pick up the story there. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. Kind of shrunk this down, paraphrase it. We're going to move it forward here. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. He came to the brush bush and he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take My life. That's depressed, folks. That's depressed. I am no better than any of my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and then he laid back down again. Fell asleep. <sniffs> Verse 7. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said get up and eat. For, why does he need to get up and eat? For the journey, the what? The journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and he strengthened by that food and he traveled for forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And then, what's interesting is uh, God says, "I'm going to reveal myself to you." The Lord said, uh, "Go out and stand uh, on the mountain on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by." And then maybe you remember the story. He goes out there and he's standing in the mouth of this cave. And then uh, God sends this roaring wind by, and it's really strong and fierce, but God was not in the wind. Then God sends an earthquake that's so big that the rocks begin to shatter around him, and he's shaken, but it says uh, that God wasn't there in the earthquake. And then God sends us fire, and it burns up all of these things, but God was not there in the fire. And then all of a sudden, there's this gentle, soft voice that shows up. And God was there and he communicates to him. Verse 15 says, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Remember where Jezebel's at? Your enemy, she's back there. Don't worry about that. You go back there and you go back. This And go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint. And then he goes on to list all these names that are really hard to pronounce. But he says, get these three guys to help you and continue your work while you are there. Well, that some say, is an outline as to what we should do and how we would go about dealing when we are so depressed we feel like we are going to die. So write these things down. How God helped Elijah through depression. How God helped depri- Elijah through, What's was the first thing he told him to do? Get some rest. He went and he slept. Sometimes you need to get away from everything and just lay down and get caught up on your rest. Sometimes work can be overwhelming. Sometimes you need to just take a vacation where you can go and put your feet up and sleep and get some rest. And then do this. Eat well. Eat well. And that will happen. God sent an angel to feed him. Feed him. Out of all of the healing, he could have touched his mind and made him just instantaneously give him a little shot of dopamine. I was thinking about making a t-shirt. Jesus is my dopamine. Whatever. Um, and so, uh, just give, he, God could have just sh- kind of given him a little, uh, shot of dopamine and, you know, and, uh, I am good. No, he, he says, get some rest. And then he feeds him. Sends an angel to feed him. So, uh, says, get rest, eat well. And then he says, exercise. What do you mean exercise? Alright? You've rested, you've eaten well, you're going on a 40 day walk. Maybe you just need to start walking for the next 40 days as a part of your routine because we know that electrolytes get kicked up, endorphins get kicked up and we feel better when we exercise. And so he says, get some rest, eat well, exercise. And he says, listen for God. Listen for him. I'm here. I'm going to communicate to you and you'll be looking around and you got to listen because he's going to communicate to you in that still small voice, right? In verse 11, it says, get to work. I'm sending you back to where you were, and I want you to do your job. Get to work. Go back to work and get her done. And then he says, get some help. Get some help, right? Get partners. He, sends, uh, he literally says to Elijah, I want you to go back. And then basically he tells him, I want you to get these guys that are in charge of these things and go back there and get some help and get after it. And so when we feel like we are in this place of hopelessness, that's good advice. Well, uh, what if you are already in a good place in life and currently you don't feel like you're depressed and you're feeling pretty good? Well, then here's your task. How do you help people? How do you help someone that is depressed? What do you do? What can you offer up to them? Well, write these things down. Be cautious. Uh, we don't have all the answers um, God is aware of the situation and probably we can't fix it. If you're talking to somebody that's going through something very, very hard, uh, usually you don't want to communicate lies to them. Oh, I understand. Well, uh, you're not in their shoes. Maybe you can parallel some of the things uh, that they're experiencing. But if you've not been in their shoes, you really don't. So you don't say, I oh, I understand. Because you don't. You can say, uh, I care about you. I'm interested in you. I'm so sorry that you're hurting in that way. I wish your circumstance was different. You can say those things. But um, the truth is, uh, you can't fix it. And so sometimes the only thing you can do is show up and just listen. Show up and listen. So be cautious. And then get good help. Look for, um, uh, look for resources that you might be able to help that person in that situation. Uh, that might be finding a counselor. That might be uh, going with them or escorting them right up to uh, something like a, uh, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting or uh, f- uh, literally taking them uh, to a, the door of a counselor and saying, you know, I'm going to sit right out here in the car but you're going to go in there and you're going to talk to them because they're more equipped to help you than I am. And when you get out of there we can talk about it or we don't have to talk about it but you pull alongside some people and you help them. You get good help. And then you do this, write it down. change their thinking. Ask open-ended questions. Questions like, where do you see yourself in a month from now or six months from now? And kind of get beyond the here and the now and the immediate and start to think more about your future. Get them to think about that. Uh, what kind of a relationship would you like to have with, you know, fill in the blank? Maybe it's the person that uh, they feel is a source of their depression, or maybe it's Jesus, or or maybe it's a neighbor, or it's yourself, or what kind of a relationship would you like to have with them six months from now or a year from now? And then maybe that will help them to, you know, this, this situation, maybe it's your job situation. Begin to think about, okay, it's here, what are steps that I can be uh, involved in and to get to me to where I need to be or where God would have me to be. And so be cautious, get good help, um, change their thinking, and then encourage wellness. Encourage wellness. Um, sometimes uh people will wrestle with how to get better how to get better right and then there's other people that it's real obvious that what their situation is and their circumstance is and they'll they'll figure out very quickly how to get better you think about a soldier that goes off to war and uh, uh maybe that uh, is a traumatic injury uh, maybe maybe the the soldier loses their uh their their part of their leg and uh, it becomes very quick um, obvious that uh, what they're going to need to do is they're going to need to get that prosthetic uh, limb, right? They're going to need to get and and we've all seen uh, advances in that technology and and uh, and and so you know they're going to get that and they'll go from uh, just being able to uh, stand on one foot to kind of be able to balance on this thing and then they're going to be able to take steps and then maybe they're even going to be able to take up jogging again and they're going to be able to use uh, this thing that is going to help them to be restored, right? Too often, people are unwilling to go see a counselor or to take medication because they feel that that's a sign of weakness. Well, I should be able to pick myself up by my own bootstraps. You know, going to see a counselor is a sign of weakness and it shows that I can't take care of my own business or whatever. But you would never say that. You would never go up to the soldier and then remove his leg and say, you don't need that thing. That's a tool that is used. To be restored, that's what counseling is. It's a tool to be restored. That's what good medication is. Uh, and sometimes people say, "Well, I want to take the medicine for a little while, but uh, then I don't want to take the rest of the medicine for the rest of my life." Well, sure, I'm sure the soldier feels like, you know, wouldn't it be nice to just have this for a little while and then grow my foot back?" Well, it doesn't work like that. You just, you, it's going to be there with you for the rest of your life, and that's okay. And so we pull alongside people that are going through these things and we listen and we encourage them to get appropriate help. And we try to be an encouragement to them and a friend to them and help them get good help. But here's the last thing. Romans chapter 15 verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The first and best thing that you should do to get out of a state of depression if you are in that is make sure that you know Jesus. Because when we become a Christian the Bible tells us that God puts a part of himself inside of us called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there to lead and guide and coach and prompt and push, and pull, tug when we turn our life over to Jesus. That's the first step. If you are a Christian, then you look around and you find people that are going through hard things and you make sure that you are there for them. There are plenty of people in our church right now that are going through hard things and we do well to contact them, to reach out to them, and to love them. Here's the thing. God knows life better than we do. The truth about life is is that God created it. He understands it. He wants us to be connected to him as we go through it. Life life. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you ever been baptized into Him? Do you feel His presence in your life? If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, that should be your first step. Know Him. Live for Him. I said it already. If you know Jesus, help others with the strength that He gives you. Let's pray. Father God, uh, thank you for uh, how real you are and uh, that you know and understand and that uh, that you have put right in front of us people like David that uh, we want to hold up on a pedestal. But he went through it and you'll go through it with us. So Father, help us to lean our lives more into you.